to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. This is episode 28, and with me again is my co-host, Kyle Malden. Hey, everybody. How's your week been? Uh, my week's been good. I, uh, I had a job interview today, and I have another one tomorrow. So I'm, uh, I'm attempting to become a working member of society. Slowly but surely. How's, uh, how's your week been? It's good. It's good. Just cranking stuff out. Just cranking stuff out. I uh, I started reading a new book for the podcast. Uh, which, what's yeah. that? We've so I've mentioned the book before, but it's um it's called Dark Lore. So this is volume nine. I think the other one I had was volume seven or eight. I can't remember. But yeah, we we did a couple stories from that one. Um, we got a story coming up, and it was the first story in this guy. Really interesting stuff. But yeah, doing that, and then just trying to crank away at the work. At the new job. Look at it. I'm proud of us. I am too, man. I'm oh, proud. hey, all you gotta do is start. That's that's right. The, people say showing up is a uh, half the battle. Dude, it is. First it really step, is. first step's the hardest. It is starting off. Um, but yeah, no, dude, it's 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 just different. It's so different from what we've always done. I mean, we've. I mean, me and Kyle were both college athletes, so we both just played soccer and went to school. <laughs> Played school. <laughs> played, yeah, played school. Played school, go. played soccer. <laughs> there you go. But no, it's it's a it's a change. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a few oh, months. Absolutely. Take a few months for sure. But yeah, um, weather here in Nashville is starting to get a little nicer. A little nicer. The winter's starting to wear off, which is good. Yeah, thank goodness. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm always ready. But always ready. <laughs> has anything has anything crazy happened to us lately? Well, no, we didn't go out last weekend. It's true. It's true. I yeah, I lost a bet. I Eric, bet. Eric did lose Super Bowl. Great Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, great dude, Super great Bowl. Super Bowl. Great Came down Super to the Bowl. Last play. Have to appreciate at least the the entertainment. You do. Of the, uh, you of do. The game. I feel like the past few Super Bowls have been pretty good games. Dude, since uh, ever since the uh, who was it? Oh my goodness, the Seahawks beat the absolute pants off oh, the, the Broncos. Yeah. Ever since then. They seem to be pretty good games. They're really good games. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which is nice. Which is nice. Yeah, sports, man. Sports are crazy. We've talked about this before, how... Sports have been around for, like, what? A hundred years? I mean, modern-day uh, sports. Like a hundred like years. Uh-huh. And how... I just think it's interesting how certain societies have really embraced sports. And, and then the world... Well, you could argue... You couldn't argue. Pretty much is the world sport soccer. Well, we, yeah, we were talking about how what like a hundred million people watch. Yeah, it was like a hundred fourteen million people watch the Super Bowl, and like a one point three billion people will watch the World Cup. The yeah. world sport, a seventh of the world's population. Yeah, we'll watch the World Cup. Yeah, it's crazy. Coming, coming to you this summer. Coming to you, you this summer. If yeah. You didn't know. If you weren't aware and you like soccer. Tune in for that. It's going to be epic. But yeah, I lost the bet that Kyle wouldn't drink. Well, I, I said that he would. He didn't, unfortunately. So I had to buy him lunch. It's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't bet very often. No, you don't. I'm not a huge betting you're person. You're usually a pretty secure... Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm not too risky. You're, you're a fail-safe. I'm a fail-safe. Most weekends, that would be a pretty... <laughs> I'd be a pretty good bet. It was an off weekend. It was. It was it an was. off weekend, for sure. Yeah. 
But anyway, we'll get into it. Um, we got we got some as usual. We got some short uh, short little headlines. One was one was one I we heard we read about like two weeks ago. Um, and I just for, I forgot about it, but then I saw it um, while I was gathering the material for today's podcast, and I threw it in. So it's a little outdated. You may heard of it, but it's okay. And then one I just saw this week about Great Britain, which is kind of crazy. Oh yeah, but I guess not that surprising to me. Not not surprising to some people. Some people yeah. still think Jesus was like a white yeah. dude. So yeah, so I think pretty shocking to. Yeah, he definitely was not a white dude. Odds are. Odds are he was unless, not a white unless guy. he was unless he was albino. True, he wasn't a white guy. Was not a white guy. Uh, but uh, if you if you're a past listener, then uh, you know we. Uh, we love weekend weird, and uh, <laughs> I I just I ran across this, and I just had to throw this in. It's super short, but pretty pretty freaking entertaining. Um, this is from thirteen two thousand thirteen. It says North Korean researchers find unicorn lair demand to be taken seriously. I'm a I'm a fan of this story just because it's North obviously because it's North Korea. Yep. And in the article, it cites how. Uh, North Korean leaders are known to have um, accomplished unbelievable and, uh, <laughs> you know, reportedly impossible feats. Impossible feats. And uh, the fact that North Korean researchers and scientists, I'm sure, of the course. researchers and scientists discovered a unicorn lair is, uh, is really no surprise to me. No surprise to me either. I mean... Uh... <laughs> nukes unicorn lairs it seems to me that they just go hand in hand but um the uh, official state news agency says archaeologists confirmed the existence of a unicorn lair in Pyongyang, once used by an ancient korean king um of course it was of it. course it was um it says the korean central news agency reports archaeologists made the extraordinary discovery when they found a rock carved with the words unicorn lair 200 meters from the city's Yongmyong temple wow, so amazing it's a dude it's yeah, i mean it sounds like it was meant to be Unbe- unbelievable crazy you in, say. it was in english as well apparently it wow. says unicorn lair but yeah uh, for those of you who don't know north korea is notorious for for putting out uh, new stories that are uh, not not credible to say the least. Things that like uh, that North Korea led the Olympics in gold medals. Yes, yes. Um, that King Jong King Jong Un is yeah. immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, that he has like a relationship with the sun or or whatnot. Uh, also, that he's a hit eleven hole in ones. Yes, I saw. <laughs> I saw so that. Uh, some, some pretty uh, fantastical, crazy, uh, crazy stuff coming out of North Korea. Well, and apparently, um, apparently, uh, the Korean history books deal with the unicorn considered to be ridden by King Tong Minyong and its and its lair. So apparently they coincide with the uh, required reading for North Korean students. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that ironic? You know. It's crazy. Is, isn't it? Crazy how that works out. 
just like a stroke of luck or Con- something. Convenient. Super convenient, convenient to say the least. Mm-hmm. It says, um, it, it, well, it claims the discovery of the unicorn proves that Pyongyang in the north was a capital city of the ancient Korea, as well as the Ko- Koguryo Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I will say, with the uh, North Korea is allowing their Olympic athletes to participate uh, in the Olympics this year, the ones that qualified. There you go. As North and South Korea. Or the, I guess it's just one Korea. Oh, it's a unified Korea? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, oh wow. That's new to me. I did not hear that. That sounds. That's actually so, pretty cool. So best of luck to the yeah, uh, to the Koreans. Yeah, to the Koreans. Yeah, I wonder. Is it just individual athletes? Do you know? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, it would make sense. I believe. I yes. My yeah. understanding is that it's they are. They are still North Koreans, but that. It, it's it's individual. Yeah. It's not like. A, that the whole country's yeah, going. like because yeah. I remember in in the Summer Olympics they had a like a refugee. They did. Flag. I saw that. And mm-hmm. so uh, these are not refugees, but it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, similar. Well, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, apparently there's unicorns in North Korea, so if you're interested, take a trip there. Just don't steal any uh, steal any banners. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. Don't take them back to your frats. Definitely don't do that. Um, so yes, so earlier I mentioned that I had came across this, um, came across, oh gosh, that's an ad, that's wonderful. Um, I had came, I had come across this, um, story of a human-chimp hybrid that was born in a U.S. lab, and there, the, um, it, this, it just came out, this article is from the International Business Times, and it's from January 30th, 2008. And, oh my gosh. And it is claims that um, a chimpanzee-human hybrid known as a human Z um, was born in an American lab, according to the claims of a renowned evolutionary psychologist, Gordon Gallup, who I haven't personally heard of, but... And, uh, then again, that's not really our circle. No, yeah, we don't usually talk about evolutionary psychologists. <laughs> it's a little bit over my pay grade. Um, so yeah, the um, so it it says that um, doctors euthanized the baby soon after the experiment due to ethical concerns, which makes total sense, and fear of the word getting out. Gallup, um, Gallup recounted uh, the reports of his former university professor who had worked at the uh, U.S. Um, first primate research center in Orange Park, Florida during the 20s. So. Uh, I would not be surprised. I would be surprised on, on of the success of uh-huh. this experiment, but I'm, I am sure that it has been uh, at least attempted. I, I'm a little skeptical of the success, but I have no doubts that they have tried this. If not in Florida, I'm sure in, I mean, dude, China. Probably, dude, definitely China, dude. Uh, yeah. Oh, right here. Similar reports emerged yeah. uh, and from scientists in 
uh, in China had impregnated impregnated a female primate with human sperm mm-hmm. in 1967. Yeah. So according to the according to Gordon Gallup, um, they inseminated a female chimpanzee with human semen from an undisclosed donor and claimed. And claimed not only the pregnancy occurred, but the pregnancy went full term and resulted in a live birth. Yeah. So and and Gallup is um, reporting this from his former professor. So apparently, his former professor told him that this happened. Um, yeah, like Kyle was saying, this has possibly happened before. Soviet um, Soviet biologist Ilya Ivanov tried and failed to create a human chimp hybrid in the twenties, um, and after that is a report from Maoist China. Um, so yeah, classic case of uh, taking it too far. It's taking it a little too far. Well, and I think this I th- I don't know. I know there was the reports that, and we talked about this, about the Chinese scientists creating the first, um, it was cloned, cloned chimpanzees. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what it was, cloned chimpanzees. What was that, was that last week? Was it the last week or the week before? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, so I, and this came out around the same time, um, so yeah. It's interesting. I I am totally against most of that stuff. I agree. I I think I am not for artificial genetic mutation, whether that is human and primate or like bird, yeah, and primate. I just I don't I don't like it. It just doesn't seem right. It it really it, it really doesn't. It just doesn't seem like that should be. I think deep deep down. Like, would it be cool? Like, yes, totally. Of course, it would be cool. But you're right. Like, it it doesn't feel right. I just feel like we're messing with stuff that um, just shouldn't do. It just <laughs> seems bad. It just seems really bad. Ethically, right? Like, ethically speaking, like it's probably enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather I would rather have I would rather us do our AI. I feel more comfortable with AI with artificial intelligence yeah. than crossbreeding living species. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, so that 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 happened apparently. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't. I, ha, I. I. should have looked up more about Gordon Gallup. I don't know a ton about Gordon Gallup. Um. I'm sure he has written books. He has. He's he, got some books. His most recent book was published in. Uh, I think it says 2002 right here. Okay. Is he still alive? Does it say? He is still alive. Still alive. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. He's still alive. He. Received his PhD from Washington State. Okay. And he taught at the University of Albany. And Tulane. Tulane. Interesting. Well, good. At least we know that's a credible credible source. PhD. PhD, yeah. I mean, you got to take it with... 
You gotta take it with a little something, but yeah, it grain, seems yeah, grain of salt, grain of salt, yeah, if you will. But very good. So yeah, after that we um, I came across this. This has this is fairly recent. Um, it is, and some of you may have seen it on the news. Um, but it is the reports that so. The reports that the earliest modern settlers of Britain of Great Britain had dark skin and blue eyes, and so this comes after um, scientists were able to carry out a DNA analysis uh, using bone powder um, of the quote unquote Cheddar Man. So that <laughs> the, the Cheddar Man is a <laughs> is a skeleton that they found. Yeah, um, they found it at. Um, at Goes Cave at Cheddar Gorge in Somerset, which is in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, it says around ten percent of the indigenous British population can be linked linked to Cheddar Man's ancient an- ancestry. Yeah. So it says that these ancestors. Um, were hunter gatherers that migrated into Europe at the end of the last ice age, and group and the group uh, was that was who Cheddar Man was from. So, man, I wonder how they got to England or Britain. Cause swam, swam, yeah, they swam the channel. <laughs> well, what Eric and what Eric and I were saying earlier is that uh, it's unsurprising that earlier's or wow, Britain's uh earliest settlers or uh dark skin obviously coming from yeah i mean you know, it makes sense Africa. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting though considering that's that's not obviously the the skin color most associated with oh not at all no with that region they say even um for people for like darker skinned people who have migrated north um so when you have darker skin um it's you need more sunlight because the skin, because you're what is it melanin? Melanin's darker and it takes more sun, um, or more. I should say more vitamin D. They need just more, it's just yeah, more active. Just more, yeah. And uh, the, I can't remember what the. Uh, I think it's an illness if they don't get enough vitamin D. I can't remember what it's called though. But anyway, um, yeah. It's crazy that after thousands and thousands of years, the melanin just dissipates yeah i mean with all the cloud cover in, in england you just don't need it just don't need it yeah that is that's it's if that doesn't if that doesn't make you at least think about evolution i don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you we adapt like hum- we adapt to the environments we're put in and it's just how it's just how it works it's just how it works. It is, dude. Every everything from being able to, like, have opposable thumbs and walk upright to our, like, our body's so efficient that it just decided it didn't need it, so it stopped producing as much. After a very long time, after, right, but after still, a very long time. Yeah, uh-huh. but still, it did. It did. Just did to that. have a more, I guess, efficient processes to adapt in its surroundings. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's true. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I don't, there might be more that comes out about that whole idea, or that whole idea, but yeah. 
It's, it's very, very I would true. I would like I would be very interested to see the boats that they use to get to England. Yes. Well, um yeah, I mean that's it seems that's the only way they could have. A lot of uh a lot of a lot of people, um they they seem to doubt our ancient ancestors on the creativity and willingness to go across the sea. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. No, absolutely. I mean, it is, It is. I would say, pretty scary. But yeah. at the same time, like, they were, they were survivors. Dude, like, the purest know, form of and, survivor. And, and, you know, survival, I would say, is the ultimate motivator for invention and creativity and advancement. I mean, they were hunter-gatherers. They survived by hunting and gathering. Like, they moved places because they could get better food sources. And they were safer. They're my, I mean, obviously, I, there was killing and... Dude, limited resources. Limited resources, dude. People are going to compete for the limited resources, yeah. That's how it's been, and that's how it will be for a long time. So, yeah. It's good stuff. Well, um, okay, so I mentioned Dark Lore before, and um, so this is from the ninth edition. Is that nine? I'm really bad with yes. Roman numerals. Yes, it's nine. That is nine. Okay. Okay, so have you? So, Kyle, are you familiar with the story of the um, the um, assassins in the mountains that? Um, which mountains? Well, okay, hold on. So the story is that there was this group of assassins that lived in the mountains, and they took hashish, and they were like brainwashed by um, by like their leaders. I have not. Yeah. Okay. So this this uh, the story um, the story originates in the Crusades, um, which is when, if in a general sense, the the Euro- the European Christians went to reoccupy Jerusalem from the Muslims, and there's uh, the whole war that, well, multiple wars that took uh, somewhere between uh, somewhere around a hundred years, in brief. Um, so, are you looking it up? Have you heard of that? I'm... Heard of the yeah the you've never heard of that. Heard of. of the hashish and the the assassins in the mountains that I, bring, I have not you haven't no, I was I thought I was talking to your grandfather with about it one time dude you, you may have I may have maybe it was yeah it must have been him so this um this story in here um connects this ancient order of assassins to um a secret club society if you will in uh 1800s france and so um this story in um in dark lords written by mike j and he chronicles um well he goes he he goes through like the idea that there was this ancient cult society if you will that brainwashed um it's um it's initiates with this hashish, but he also um, talks about this this um, author 
um, and his name is Theophile Gautier, and um, he published an article in a um, a publication way back in the mid-1800s called Revue des Deux Mondes. Um, that was French. <laughs> I probably butchered that, but, you know, you get the point. Um, so in this publication, he, um, he was, well, initially he was contacted by a, by a painter, um, Fernand Broussard, and he invited him to a private gathering at a lavishly furnished hotel in Paris. And, and Broussard, uh, told him that hashish will be taken, um, and they will have a light dinner. And you will wait, and it says you will await the hallucination. So they gave these people hashish, mm -hmm. and then brainwashed them to become assassins? So that's the legend that dates back to the Crusades, uh -huh. yes. the Basically, the legend is that um, these initiates were given hashish, and then they were taken to a garden that resembled paradise, and they were told that this is what happens when you die. Like, you go here. Uh -huh. And so they basically became fearless because they thought that when they went on a mission and if they were to die, they would go to this place. The old, uh, the old afterlife promises. The old afterlife promises. Classic. Mm. Classic motivator. Classic. It's a motivator throughout the ages. Throughout the ages. So, in short, this, um, this author, Gautier, he goes... Um, to this place, and he he meets a mysterious master of ceremonies called Doctor X, and he's given a um, quote a morsel of green jam onto an elegant Japanese saucer, um, and it says this will be deducted from your share in paradise. The jam was supposedly an Egyptian preparation um, known as dawamesp. Hashish mixed with dried fruit and candied nuts to offset its bitterness. So what did, what did these assassins, I guess, do? The original assassins? Uh-huh. I'm not sure specifically what they did, but they were sent on missions. To go and yeah, to go. kill people. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, Gautier takes this and he notices that... Um, he, he starts, he says, um, the water I drank seemed the most exquisite wine. The meat once in my mouth became strawberries and the strawberries meat. So it has a sensory, uh, sensory, uh, <laughs> it sounds like it all sensory, effect. sensory effect. So anyway, um, Gautier writes this and, um, he plunges into a series of visions with hilarious and grotesque figures interrupted by a piano recital that sends him into raptures, at first ecstatically soulful and then nightmarish, with demonic figures taunting him as he tries to escape, but he finds his movements slowed to a snail's pace by an unseen force. His write-up... Um, he it reaches a climax with gigantic courtyards, classical monsters, and the funeral of time before the clock indicates 11 and normal time is reborn. Wow. So he was just tripping for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I don't know. I'm saying he got there at like, what? Six or seven? Probably, Couple, night, probably nighttime. Yeah, probably nighttime. Not after the, the sun went down. These aren't, these aren't daytime activities. No, no, no. Definitely a nighttime thing. After after work. After, yeah. after hours. <laughs> after hours. So, yeah. Uh, he did... So, obviously, he experienced this. Um, Mike J goes on to write about... Um, how this club became like a public sensation and um i mean at this time well people have always been obsessed with like secret societies and the freemasons and the illuminati everyone loves a good secret everyone loves a secret especially if you're the secret keeper and so um it's almost like a um, a dichotomy between like it's at least to me it seemed like the a dichotomy between rediscovering the past like assassin order and like um, trying to create something new. So are, are these in France? They are still. I guess what is their purpose today? This yes. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. The club doesn't exist. Okay. Or the this thing that Gautier went to didn't exist. But it says a lot of prominent um, artists and whatnot were claimed to have been a part of this. A part of this society. Society. Yeah. Um. So that's really the first half. The second half is interesting um, because Mike J starts to talk about how there were these two figures. Um, there are these two figures. Uh, let's see, Jacques Joseph Moreau de Tours, and um, Esquirol. Um, so Esquirol was a. He's known for um, Jean Etienne Dominique Esquirol. He um, he's a central figure in the reformation of hospitals back in the day. Okay. Um, and so they, he talks about how um, exploring up the Nile, Moreau. Um, he encountered these Arab people that. Um, communed with have you ever heard of the word jinn it's like a supernatural uh form in islamic literature okay um and so he starts examining how hashish can be used to treat mental illness and he does this thing where um one of the treatments was he sent people like out into the wilderness on hashish and like it sounds like a a spiritual uh, yeah it does doesn't it yeah so i thought that was very interesting um and then um he made contact with a guy named luis albert roche and he was an epidemiologist who noticed that hashish using egyptians became less susceptible to certain diseases um and he was investigating the it was a possible remedy to typhus wow so, not only I thought the article was interesting because it not only went into 
the um, hallucinogenic effects and um, kind of the history of the um, assassins and that whole lore, but also the idea that it might have been able to cure diseases. So That is interesting. It's interesting that today, to, to cure or to prevent diseases, you just get basically a ton of shots mm. when you're a baby and then throughout your whole life. And that back then, you had to use alternative forms of Some medicine. Some sort of natural remedy, yeah. Alternative today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. That's a good point. Um, yeah, that was that was about it. Um, to not go too long, but yeah. Very cool. Um, I know we wanted to... Uh, do we want to cover the uh, mutant crawfish? Yeah. Uh, might as well. Did you pull that guy up? So I, oh, that's not it. In, where is it? Is it in Britain? I think it was in Britain again, yeah. Uh, in, oh, I can't find it. Anyway, there's a, there's a, is it a crawfish? I think it was, it was a crawfish, that yeah. That has learned how to clone itself. And it is a female crawfish. Oh yeah, here it is. That does not need <laughs> all, any any, any men to yeah. to reproduce. Yeah, all female mutant crayfish that clone themselves are taking over rivers and lakes around the world. So all of these crawfish can be dated back to one that had a genetic mutation uh, back in 1995. And since then, they have just been... Wow, that is nuts. Uh, ...just reproducing by themselves, which poses an issue because there's no really uh, population control. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to eliminate every single one of them. I mean, yeah. If, 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 so, so what's happening is that they're getting into lakes and rivers, and then since, like I said before, there's no population control or just they just kind of clone themselves and give birth whenever, that they're just taking over lakes and <laughs> lakes and rivers. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, at least, I'm pretty sure this is the first time that an animal has been able to yeah or at least something as complex as a, a crawfish gosh this just seems like a really underreported issue <laughs> it's pretty crazy i'm sure i uh it says the first known marbled crayfish appeared in 90 in 1995 since then they have spread into the wild and established populations in freshwater ecosystems all around the world, in countries as diverse as Ukraine, Japan, and Madagascar. What was it? It said it. It said the entire global population of marbled crayfish can be traced to a single female held in a German aquarium. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you stop this. I, I don't know either. Um, I wonder, if, I doubt. Well, I wonder if you can eat them. 
So they're trying to study this crawfish to see if it has any potential uh, human benefits. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, it wasn't in this article. It was another one I read that they're hoping that it could give some insight to how uh, different types of, of cancers work. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I thought was interesting. But hopefully this doesn't spread... This genetic mutation uh, cannot be harnessed and spread to a uh, human females. That would that would that would be an L for for men everywhere. It'd be a big old L. It'd be a big L. No more need for us. No more need for us. <laughs> like you imagine a, just a female world. No, I cannot. Considering no. that we pretty much live in a. I mean, we do. It's not pretty much. We live in a, a, a male, hetero-dominated society. Yes. I, uh, I could not imagine a... <laughs> a complete a, opposite. I mean, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a sci-fi. A sci-fi That's movie. a Black Mirror episode. That's a Black Mirror episode. That is a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Oh uh, well, yeah, I dude, I forgot about I forgot about this guy before I before I uh, I began the the longer one, but yeah, that's this is a, this is a good one. This is that was a Kyle find. That's a Kyle find. Yeah, thank you. I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, like it it is just crawfish, but if this were to spread to different species, how our, our relationships would change with you know women? Yeah. If, they did not need us to reproduce. Ugh, yeah, dude. Or even, even 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 other animals. How would other an, how would animals interact if if men were not needed? Dude, I feel like that would just it wouldn't even be like humanity anymore. I don't know if it'd even be be possible because. I'd say humans, especially for humans, yeah. are a lot more complicated than uh, than than crayfish. But I think it's interesting that, at least as far as we know, that this happened. Uh, that this was a natural. Yeah, I would love to know how this, how this, how they escaped the German. Because isn't that what it seems like? It originated in the German aquarium. That's what that's what the article makes it sound like. And how did it get out of the aquarium? That's what I don't understand. I'm confused. Confused. We might have to. Uh, we might have to look more into this. Uh, so all of the crayfish are essentially identical to the first one. They yeah. are identical female offspring. Uh, barring some minor, uh, like natural mutations. Is it, uh, is it like, what do they call that? A hermaphrodite? Is that with two? I believe so. It's with both, but that is not the case. That's not what it is. It is just, so this, this mutation has found a way to produce more crayfish essentially itself without receiving fertilization fertilization all you all this all the all the crayfish needs to to produce another yeah. crayfish to i don't know if they give birth or lay eggs or whatnot is just the egg yeah just the egg 
<laughs> I don't under, I don't understand. <laughs> I really don't. That's crazy. It it cha- it really challenges our current concept of reproduction. Totally. Just yeah, it's not even relatively close to how we understand reproduction. Wow. Well, <laughs> pretty nice. Yikes. That's yeah, scary. Uh, well, um, it's all we got for today. It's all we got for today. We, uh, we appreciate you listening. Um, you, yeah, like that's it. We can, you seem flustered. <laughs> no, I am. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the no fertilization, but we're gonna, I, this, this will be back next week. I, I want to, I want to understand more about this. Um, so tune in next week. You can find us on iTunes. Um, you can find us on Stitcher, Audio Boom, Spotify. Um, follow us on Twitter at World We Live Pod. Um, Kyle did not get any uh, any uh, DMs. I did not get any. We did DMs. not. We did not get any DMs at World We Live Pod. I did Pod. not get any DMs this week either. Kyle, what is it? Fifty dollar Amazon gift card. Fifty dollar Amazon gift card. Kyle's taking suggestions for um, what he should buy. So, I am. I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it to the uh, to the people. If you made it this far in the podcast, please <laughs> just DM us something. Just anything. Just a, anything. A picture or yeah, we'll get how, how your day's going. Yep, yep. We'll give you a shout out next episode. Um, sounds like a pretty good perk to me, but hey, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so yeah, follow us on uh, social media and uh, get a shout out. Have a good week. Have a good week. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.